Hi, I'm Corey Hawkins. And I'm Jennifer Fox. And we are Curiously Conscious. Welcome to today's episode. It is our 22nd Curiously Conscious episode. How exciting. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about the Scorpio new moon that is happening November uh, 4th, 2021 at 2.14 p.m. Pacific, 5.14 p.m. Eastern. Um, It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty serious moon. (laughs) I was just talking, it's a whole serious moon, but let's start with how you doing, Fox? I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, um, you know, I'm excited for Halloween because I love it. But yeah, I don't know. This is our first Halloween here. So I don't know if we're going to have trick-or-treaters. So we went out last night and bought all this candy. And we didn't, because we're newbies, we don't, we don't can't buy crap, right? We have to buy something good. So yeah. we bought we bought pumpkin-shaped Reese's cups. And Ooh. they were individually wrapped, of course, for hygienic reasons. And um, so I swiftly came home and stuck them in the freezer because we would eat all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're in the freezer. And we're that keeps pretty- you from eating them because that would not stop me. Yeah, it keeps me <laughs> from eating them. I mean, I like to have my Reese cups in the refrigerator, but frozen Reese cups—that's a little bit more too much work yeah. for, for my jaw. So, but I don't even know if we're going to have trick or treaters because we're like the new people in the neighborhood. They may not know us well enough. They may be like, I don't know, you know. So I don't know. You know, it's funny because where I live, oh, the houses are spaced pretty far apart, and we're not really rural but we're not in suburbia either. Right, right. So we have never had trick-or-treaters. And the reason, I mean, there's very few kids in the neighborhood, right. pound for pound, but it's also not a very economical place to trick-or-treat. Like if I was a kid, I'd be like, this is really lame. So yeah. we have always gone to some of the neighboring neighborhoods and you know, met up with friends and trick-or-treated elsewhere where the houses are one after the other, right? Boom, boom, boom. And mm. Uh, I don't think that there's ever been a care given as to who the people were handing out the candy. Right, right. Like new to the neighborhood, I don't care. Give me your candy. Well, you know, I was telling my husband that, you know, when I was a kid, I I was probably seven and my brother was four and it was dark outside and we just were left, you know, dropped off in town and left to our own devices Mm -hmm. in the dark two little kids walking around seven and four. If we were doing that now, people would have arrested my mother, right? They would have yeah. arrested her, but it yeah, that's, you're not wrong. And we went to this really creepy house that didn't have any lights on. It was a really old house and two really old people lived there and we had never really seen them, but we knocked on the door and poor Dave, my, my younger brother, Dave was terrified. Of course he was four. And so he was really scared and he was kind of standing behind me. And they opened the door and we were dressed in costumes, obviously. And he, and the old man looked at me and he said, he said, what do you guys want? And then he, and then he saw our costumes and he, and he yelled over his shoulder at his wife. He's like, I think it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were digging through their drawerway in the hall, trying to find something because they didn't have anything to give us. So they, they, she came out of the kitchen with an old, kind of withered apple that looked like it had seen better days. And um, he gave me uh, a pack of double mint gum. And it was the kind of double mint gum that when you opened it, it like just broke like a piece of wood, you know, like it was like (laughs) petrified. It was like 20 years old. Oh my God. (laughs) 
So uh -huh. that was the first and the last time we went to their house. The next year we didn't, but yeah, I mean, we were, it was dark. It was like dark outside, like yep. dark. And we were like walking around town, two little kids by ourselves in our costumes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you would right. never, people don't do that kind of stuff. I now. have similar memories. And like, I, I know that people, it was a different time. It's like, was it really? Because there were still creeps and criminals. Or yeah. there, I don't think there's more creeps or criminals. I think parents are just more concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now, I if now I would have had a cell phone and my parents would have been GPS tracking me and following me behind me in a car. Not That's my not, parents, but my imaginary, wrong. my imaginary parents that really loved me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. My daughter leaves the house and go on little bike rides with her friends. And I'm like, got your locations on. So I can constantly like, you know, like, Hey, what are you doing there? Cause you're a good mom. mom. Stop. God. You're a good mom. I almost feel like that with my dogs. Like I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Don't let him out. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, this year for Halloween, I don't feel particularly festive. And this is probably the first time in my life where I'm not feeling like, woohoo, I can't wait. I don't necessarily have um, a costume planned that makes me sad. It's like, even if I don't do a, a new costume, I'll make up some kind of witch costume. I'll make a new hat or, you know, something. You had some good witch costumes in the past. Yeah, yeah. Every year, I'm at least a witch on Halloween. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this year feels like I've got, it feels like a working holiday. Like, I feel like I have a lot of ancestor work to do, ancestral work. And I think that's how I'm pretty much going to be spending my time on Salon. Is... But don't you think that that has a lot to do with this lunation? I mean, the lunation isn't exactly on, uh, it's a few days after uh, All Hallows Eve, but it's a, it, I mean, I love a Scorpio moon, but this is a particularly, I think, I think this is a, this is a, t a challenging moon. I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, if you, you know, want to get technical, Runa actually reminded me of this, our friend Runa, who, Runa Troy, you can find her on Instagram, um, that the astrological Samhain is at 15 degrees Scorpio, and oh. that's not until the 7th right like oh yeah you know, um so yeah so this is you know kind of in the middle of those dates <laughs> it's just a smack dab in the middle of salad season well and so, this one is square jupiter on the 15th so that's actually kind of sweet that's kind of oh, a nice but that's I mean, not 15 degrees what's what's no the no, no on the 15th i thought you said on the 15th no 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 it's at 15 degrees Scorpio oh it's at 15 is, degrees is the technical sound yeah yeah or is the astrological sound but anyway yeah so there's that yes it feels like a very well um, and that's closer to 19 degrees which is the most malefic degree in the zodiac 19 degree scorpio yes because that oh. is where serpentis is and Ooh. serpentis is supposedly the heart of the scorp of the of the serpent pardon me but technically it's really i think the head of the serpent so it's like mm. the brain of the serpent but the you know serpentis wraps around ophiuchus and ophiuchus is right there i think ophiuchus is really close to this lunation ophiuchus is uh well technically i think he's 14 degrees of sagittarius he's always near the great attractor if not on the great attractor 
but you yeah. know, not not horribly far off. I mean, that would be like a septile sort of maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at so before we even look at the chart, I'm looking at Jan Spiller's book, New Moon Astrology. If you don't have it, get it. Um, and it talks about the things to manifest for this new moon, yes. wishes to make for this new moon in Scorpio. <laughs> Just looking at the um subject matters this is some heavy shit it's like okay scorpio is a good time for making wishes around empowerment change crisis skills self-mastery sex and soulmates financial partnerships and avoiding power struggles now broken down um scorpio rules power it rules secrets awareness of others motives politics psychology Trans, uh, Scorpio rules transcendence, transformation, eliminating old baggage, change, restoration, forgiveness. Scorpio rules crisis, taking risks to gain power, compulsion, obsession, intense interactions, living on the edge. Scorpio rules self-mastery, good versus evil, strength, self-discipline, commitment, depth of character. Mm. Scorpio rules bonding sex absorption soulmates deep emotional connections i almost said contracts same business probably mutual validation scorpio rules financial partnerships loans debts grants wills and inheritance uh scorpio rules the misuse of power revenge jealousy harsh judgments destructive urges power struggles abandonment suspicion guilt so like even the chart looking at the chart aside yeah that's some heavy shit right there <laughs> it is and you know it's like mars is is nine degrees away from this lunation so that's fueling the passion and the fear and of course you know some of the things you mentioned jealousy suspicion that includes vindictiveness insecurity all those yeah. things. Yeah. and then you know um the other thing that that I think it, there's, well, there's several interesting things going on with this lunation, but the sun and the moon are conjuncting at 12 degrees and 40 minutes. They're going to be opposing Uranus almost exactly at 12 degrees and 47 minutes in Taurus. Mm -hmm. And Uranus is retrograde. And when Uranus is retrograde, it's more introverted. For, so it is more secretive. And then of course, they're both squaring up to Saturn at seven degrees of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. um which is only you know that's only uh, you know a, a differential of of like um you know four degrees but it's yeah. saturn yeah. is like it's saturn is just like there it is it's hard stop and it's a t-square it's a fixed t-square so do you want to talk a little bit about fixed energy core uh yeah like so there's three different modalities there's cardinal energy which begins it's like beginning energy it's the energy that initiates it's the signs that are at the beginning of the seasons um and then there's fixed energy and fixed energy is about making things solid making things rooted making things stable building foundations um and then you've got mutable energy which is the the kind of the the death and rebirth phase the the changing to the next thing kind of energy so yeah this fixed energy is can also be very immovable it's very solid can be very stubborn yeah i always think of it like a pillar like a roman you know pillar and it's like you can't you can't move those things are still 
around. Yes. <laughs> Centuries forever. later, you cannot move them. But fixed energy is good for a few things, though. It's really good for taking things to the next level. It's really good for stability. Um, but it can also be incredibly challenging to really move forward, right? Really move forward or have that mutable type of energy that we just mentioned. But Saturn, Saturn's interesting because Saturn is, he's the Lord of karma, right? Oftentimes the, the planets, when I'm looking at somebody's karma in their chart, I look at their, um, I look at their South node. I look at their moon. I look at their Pluto and I look at their Saturn. Those are the things that really talk to me about somebody's past life and their karma. And Saturn being at the pinnacle of this T-square, you know, he's the way out. And that's really more about really taking a hard look at things, maybe readjusting, uh, you know, it's almost like Saturn isn't retrograde, but it's almost like a retrograde type of feeling. It's like kind of reevaluate some things and make sure that you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's. Make sure if you need to go back and double check something, go back and double check it, you know? Um, so it's really interesting. So this is going to be impacting people differently in their charts, depending on where Scorpio, uh, Saturn in Aquarius. So it's Scorpio, uh, Aquarius and Taurus are in your charts, but in the main chart, Taurus rules the second house of your money and your resources. Scorpio rules the eighth house of things that you share with other people. It rules like Corey had mentioned, sex, rebirth death, you know, figuratively speaking, hopefully. And then of course, Aquarius, which rules groups, but also the future, right? So these are kind of the concentration of the areas where we're going to have that fixed energy. And, you know, Saturn, I, the thing I do like about Saturn is he's about manifesting for the long term. He's about hard, consistent work. And so it might be an opportunity for people to look at that area of their life, which has gotten a lot of movement in the last year because that's where Jupiter and Saturn have been, but kind of take a look at that Aquarius area of your life where that is in your chart and see what haven't you looked at, you know, maybe you need to look at something a second time in that area of your life and really kind of get a sense for that because there with this fixed energy, it might be an opportunity to help you with that manifestation. Um, it's like, it's like you're still on the way to that manifestation, I guess is a way to say that. Yeah. I see that, uh, this, that sun moon conjunct, uh, opposed Uranus with this Saturn as like, um, Saturn is, I don't know how to put this. Uh, Saturn is like asking, what are the things that you know, you need to change, but you're not changing. I like that because Uranus is there to do it. Right. And Saturn's like, you know, look, I can let Uranus do this or you can do it yourself. <laughs> it's like, it's that's really what kind of comes it's through really for me. about resources, right? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, because we're talking about material things, right? We're talking mm -hmm. about your food, your clothing, your shelter, your job. You know, um, I was just reading an article about how a lot of uh, physicians are starting to, um, you know, really feel like they might take retirement early and just duck out of healthcare altogether because it's such a hassle, especially yeah. with the pandemic just ongoing and losing staff and, you know, losing funding and just all this stuff. And so it's like, well, if, if we have, 
you know, they said something like the potential of like 40% of physicians leaving the industry. What? I mean, that's, that's a crazy number when you really think about it. And my friend, her sister is an, an ER doctor and she's, you know, she's 60 something. She's, she's not ready for retirement yet, but she's like, kind of like, I'm over it. She's, yeah. and she could retire if she wanted to. And she's really kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to get out of the game. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you look at that area of your life, like really, what is it? And, you know, this, this is something that's really, I think we've been questioned on for many, many months is what do we really need? You know, yeah. I used to think I needed a big car because I drove two hours a day. Well, I don't drive anymore to work. You know, we even thought about, do we even need a second car? Do we just need yes, one? Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a horrible person. Like the idea of sharing a car makes me anxious, but what if I need the car? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I can't like not have a car, but I, that's my thing. But the, we thought about it and we actually did live for several months without two cars. And we were, we did fine, actually, we did fine. But, you know, I don't, I mean, those are the things you think about, just like getting rid of the big house. Do we need the big house? Do we get rid of, we got rid of the big house. And I, honestly, there, I haven't really run into anything major that I'm, I'm, I'm missing from having the big house. Right. So, yeah. So I think that, I think part of that is maybe almost like this T-square might be a recalibration to have you relook at those things. From get lab. honest with yourself about some stuff is what I yeah. see. Um, yeah, I think Saturn wants us to be honest with ourselves about what's so and to stop, you know, avoiding the changes that are going to be inevitable at some point. It's like uh, I was having a reading last night with somebody who's got just tons and tons of stuff happening with Uranus in their chart. And it was like, so you likely know the things that you need to change already right and do you make the choice to do it intentionally or do you let the universe do it for you i mean either is possible but in some cases when especially when uranus is involved change is inevitable so how can you be honest with yourself and get ahead of it or do you want to just let it happen for you <laughs> it's up to you I I actually think having the saturn uranus square is actually probably a blessing in disguise uh, because, you know, with Uranus, things can change on a dime. And I think sometimes having Saturn in there as a backstop, as a square to that energy gives you a moment to catch your breath or say, okay, wait, I need to make an adjustment here. So it's just not like blowing you out of the water. Right. Yeah. Saturn's a good break pumper. Break good break pumper. Yes, he is. The, the other thing I wanted to, I wanted you to, to, to give us your thoughts on is this, uh, well, there's a couple of yods, but the yod that I think is the most, uh, you know, the most challenging one is the one with the, you know, the moon and the sun at the apex and then coming down to Chiron and coming down to Black Moon Lilith. Yeah, no, I, so, you know, Scorpio being the, um, you know, the sign that represents sex, I think that, that uh that chiron sextile black moon lilith is about accessing certain sexual related traumas that's my interpretation of it and then coming up to that quincux to the sun and moon is like 
having breakthroughs in how the trauma has um, formed your ego and formed your emotional armor, I think. Um, well, and I, can I just say something to that? I think there course. are, there, there are so many people. I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't been impacted in a negative way sexually, whether they've been oppressed at one point and maybe they're oppressing others or they are insecure or wounded mm -hmm. as a result. Of, I mean, everybody has some kind of wound around. I don't know anybody uh, with the exception of maybe, you know, Gwyneth Plowtrow, who has like, you know, uh, the healthiest sex, you know, in the world because she I'm not has, buying that by the way. Well, yeah, I don't know how many therapists it takes to get you there or how much money it costs to get yeah. you there, but, but basically everybody's got an issue. Everybody's yes. got something, everybody's got something. So I think this is an opportunity. And I think there's, a, there's another, um there's another aspect that's going on that i also think is related to this but let's let's stay on the yacht but i think you're right corey i think this is an opportunity for an e extreme opportunity for healing yeah. like the the consciousness of the planet because the consciousness of the planet is what breeds this sexual trauma mm -hmm. well it, it's funny especially if, if you look at american culture so black moon lilith talks a lot about our shame how we carry shame mm. um and we have this dichotomy in american culture where we're simultaneously shameful and shameless um we can in in the same breath slut shame somebody right and then praise them for the perfection of their bodies you know it's it's so bizarre and i think that that alone is traumatic for people to have that experience of not knowing how to carry their shame um did, did that make sense no <laughs> it does Be because at the same time you know the other coin you know all of these lunate all of these celestial objects have you know uh black moon lilith is an elliptical point for example um all of these objects, all of these elliptical points, they have two sides to them, as does everything, right? So on right. one side, you you have things that harbor shame, but on the other side, you have this raw, sexual, feminine kind of diva power. And, you know, it, it for women particularly, I think that that's a really difficult thing to um, balance. And maybe, you know, with, as you think about Venus ruling Taurus, which is money, wealth, material, and then you also think about it ruling Libra, which is about beauty and balance. I think that there is, I think there's an extra weight for women to have to balance as a result of that, because it's a power. And when people understand how to use that power, it can give them tremendous wealth that can give them tremendous things in life but if that gets unbalanced they can i mean they just get that's the slut shaming you're talking about they just get slammed to the ground and they're they're you know enemy number one in the world mm -hmm. and you know because of the culture we live in today that whole like cancel culture 
It's like they love to put people on a pedestal. And, you know, I can only imagine how, and this is one of the reasons why I always think being famous must just suck and unbelievably. But to have to have to deal with that pressure on top of balance, because I think every every woman in particular has to balance that Black Moon Lilith energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all face it, men face it too, but I think women have extra. And I also think that women have extra power, but that's that's for another discussion. I that's think. a whole another discussion. Let's not get the let's not get the listeners riled up there. <laughs> but, but can yeah. we can we talk about can we talk about uh the stuff that's happening in sag with with uh uh with neptune and chariclo can we talk about that of course yeah okay so we've talked about um Exion before he's this the stinker pot little trans neptunian object um but he was uh an ancient king of greece and he was the son of Ares, the god Ares, and he um he basically didn't pay the bride price for his wife and so in his father-in-law uh his father-in-law decided to just take some horses because he owed him some some moolah and so he took the horses and that pissed um Exion off so when he came to uh an event, uh, I think it was the wedding dinner. He he threw him on coals, burning coals, and killed him at the, it, which was like a completely like you don't. That's like throwing somebody under the bus at a, an event, right? Basically, the the modern equivalent of that would be throwing somebody under the bus in front of everybody. You know, something they would do on Gossip Girl, right? They would expose everyone at a big, huge event or something, but. Um, so he was basically chastised for that and uh you know he was sent out i think to like i don't know he was i think i can't remember what his punishment was it was like he was like a hamster on a wheel of fire or something like that but oh my god i know it's like so crazy but anyway so zeus took pity on him and decided to take him to mount olympus and reform him but he was lusting after zeus's wife hera and uh, who is Juno? We talk about her in the astrology chart as Juno. She's an she's a um, an asteroid. And so Zeus was testing him, so he made this beautiful cloud in the shape of his wife, and um, Axion proceeded to have sex with the cloud, as you do, as it ha- it just happens. As you know, one does. As one does. <laughs> And um, because of that, he uh, he he impregnated the cloud, and the cloud had a baby, and the baby was a monster. It was like uh, the beginning of the Centaurian race, basically. So without Axion and his, you know, um, uncontrollable urges, cloud humping. Mm-hmm. yeah, cloud humping. It's <laughs> so, so weird. Um, you know, we would not have the centaur race, which, you know, the centaurs are carpet built objects. And one of the centaurs that we talk about all the time is Chiron, who's the wounded healer and uh, has become very prominent and prolific. Uh, and it's really treated, I think, as a, a planet instead of just a, just an asteroid. But anyway, without without Axion's cloud humping, we would not have him. But the long and short of it is he kind of represents in a chart um and if if he's prominent in someone's chart they can oftentimes well he's the first murderer in the greek pantheon one thing i forgot to mention um oftentimes those people can be um uh you know uh 
kind of murdery maybe, maybe a little bit murderous, um, but also they can be, um, you know, just not, not following the social norms. You know, they don't, they don't fall in line with the social norms. And um, I think that, you know, when I look, well, I have weird habits. Like when people die, I love to look at their death charts. And, you know, I like to look at serial killers charts and stuff like that, just for fun, just for giggles. Um, and so I oftentimes look up um, Axion in a chart to see where they're at. But anyway, he is at 29 degrees of Sagittarius, which is two degrees away from the galactic center, which is the center of the universe. And he is conjunct Venus, who's also at 29 degrees, and they're conjunct Juno or Hera, who he, you know, thought he, he, yeah, who he thought he was impregnating. But anyway... So I, I, Juno oftentimes is thought of as, is is representing marriage. And I find that in a, in a man's chart, she oftentimes represents the type of woman he's going to marry. But in a woman's chart, I always see her as like the ideal, like the woman's ideal of herself where she's placed in a chart. So having these three folks uh, kind of like all conjunct at the galactic center, which is a place of tremendous energy. This is where all the new stars are born from this is like a huge place of creativity probably where a lot of cloud humping is going on i was gonna say aren't there stars just <laughs> technically like cloud babies they nebula, are probably nebulous cloud babies <laughs> there's a lot of uh, sex going on in this area <laughs> during this lunation but anyway <laughs> they they are um they're in sag and they are you know they're really squaring um they're really squaring down to, well, they're trining down to Eris, which is interesting, which is squaring over to Pluto, but they're squaring over to Neptune. It's just, it's really weird. So I think that this lunation is going to be, like, I think people aren't going to be behaving themselves. Like people who normally would, um, would would have decorum and be behaving. I think people are going to lose their marbles a little bit during this lunation. I think they're going to be very, it's a very creative time, but I think you're going to see people kind of really stepping outside of the zone. Yeah. Well, all of that um, business. So Venus, Axion and uh, Juno are sextiling mars and yachting down to the north node so yeah. you know i think maybe that acting out um is more purposeful uh, and you know those quincunxes are uncomfortable they're awkward energy so it's yeah. like um how did i explain it to somebody the other day i was like a quincux is like when you know you have to when when i was a kid my parents would never order pizza because they didn't want to make the phone call. So it's like, I knew if I needed, or if I wanted pizza, I had to make the phone call, which was really uncomfortable for a little kid. Right. That's kind of how this quincunx has occurred to me is, is like, it's that uncomfortable phone call that you have to make, but will eventually give you pizza. So, um, that's yeah, interesting I, I, because you know how I interpret a quincunx. Yeah. <laughs> I interpret it several ways, but that's just how it came out the other day. <laughs> but it's like when you're trying to put on tights because it's cold outside and you're wearing tights 
and you put them on and you continually put them on and the foot is constantly backwards. So when you put them on, the crotch is all twisted up. Ugh. And then it's like, no matter what you do the entire day, it's like, you know, that the crotch in your tights is messed up. It's all jacked up. It's just like all day long. You're like constantly <laughs> with the crotch thing. And it's like, oh my God. It's like, and then you do like the weird jerky dance and it's like, you know, it's just awkward. Yes. But you got to do it to keep your legs warm because it's cold out. Right. Well, hopefully not, not in the place I live now, but yeah, I was, yes, just, but, I was just thinking but about that. <laughs> Somebody told me today we were going to have a mild winter and I'm like, God, thank God. I don't have to worry about any awkward crotch type things happening. Yeah. It's a... Uh... Is it, it's a La, is it La Nina? I think you're I think right. It's La a, La, a La Nina year. It's supposed to be colder here. Yay. Yeah. But if my kids are back in school, that means snow days. So I'm good with that. <laughs> snow day. I used to love a snow day when I was a kid. I mean, as an adult, I realize why adults hate them, but um, God, when I was a kid, I'd just be like, please, Jesus, please, sweet baby, Jesus, give us <laughs> a wait for that call tomorrow. from the school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drift, drift, please give us drifts. But anyway, I think that Yod should be interesting. And I think you're right with that, um, that whole conjunction sextile down to Mars. Um, you know, I don't know. I have a really iffy relationship with Mars and I have Mars is actually in a good spot in my chart. You know, Mars is exalted in Capricorn, right? Yes. But I like, I think, yeah. I, th I think that, um, you know, Capricorn Mars is nice and stable. Capricorn Mars yeah. isn't going to freak out. Yeah. So Mars's potential to, to be explosive, not a fan. So even like a harmonious aspect with Mars, I'm like, yeah, but harmonious might be explosive too. You never know what's called for when Mars is involved. <laughs> <laughs> you like a good, so. you like a good sedate Mars. I so, do just get the work done. No freaking out. <laughs> well, the other thing I wanted to point out is Medusa has been following along with our dear friend, Mr. Mars. And she's, she was conjunct him for much of last week, but now they've separated, but she's going to be at zero degrees of Scorpio, a critical degree right next door to my Jupiter uh, during this lunation. And she's actually going to be in a tighter um, sextile with, um, with, uh, Axion and Venus and they're at a critical degree. So, you know, Medusa is, uh, she is an, she's an asteroid, but she's about transformation through fear. So that oftentimes is a result of doing things that you, you're, you're afraid to do. You're uncomfortable doing on top of, on top of the quincunx. So I, I do think that the energy of this lunation, and I love a Scorpio moon, and I really look forward to a Scorpio new moon, but I think this lunation is going to be really kind of a, a bit of a tricky, a tricky one. I know, you know, and I, I hate that I, I, I lately, especially the past couple of months, I, I feel like the doomsday astrologer where it's like, I see all <laughs> these aspects coming and it's like, Jesus, it just keeps coming because you know, uh, so this is the fourth, the new moon's on the fourth. On the second, we've got Mercury square Pluto. That sounds like a good, solid shit storm of power struggling communications. <laughs> then we've got, you know, yeah. on the fifth, not that this is a bad thing. Venus is going to enter Capricorn. Mercury is going to enter Scorpio. 
you know, Mercury and Scorpio, mm, it's a, you're going to have all of this heavy stuff on your mind, all of this heavy stuff to communicate about. I right. love Venus going into Capricorn. She's going to be there for a long time, though. She's going to be there for a long time, grinding away at the what foundations do you want? What structures do you want that? And so and then, yeah, then Mercury is going to conjunct Mars on the 10th and then Mercury is going to square Saturn on the 10th and then Mercury is going to, you know, Mars is going to square Saturn. It's just like squares and squares well squares squares. i mean but you have to look about uh, you have to look at it in the context of where we're headed we're headed towards the pluto return and that's we're in it to win it right now and and when it actually conjuncts on february 2nd or 22nd of 2022 which is a lot of twos yeah this is all about birthing a new nation it's taking this old nation well we're not even an old nation we're a newer nation but it's taking what we've done so far and redoing it and so so many things so many systems have to be torn down to be built up and i think we're seeing that dismantling process however i think when we get the square with mars and pluto i think we have to realize you know that's going to be a rough day because it's also going to be opposing eris and so that's like that's going to be rough but i think when mars gets into capricorn in several months towards the end oh. of the year i think we're going to see when the conjunction of pluto and mars happens i think we're going to start to see some building stuff some things things getting some building blocks being made so i think it's almost like the square from mars to pluto is like the question or the conundrum and then as we move forward we're going to start to see some answers once mars gets into to capricorn yeah well, this on the second is it? Uh, that's when Mercury is going to be square Pluto. That is also um, election day, uh, okay. in a whole lot of places. Yeah, so yeah. you know, our state doesn't have any particularly large we, elections happening, yeah. but there are. That's right. Some November second is is uh, election day. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that that should be interesting. My voice just cracked. Um, the other thing I realized today, I don't know why I was. Oh, I do know what I was thinking about. It doesn't matter. Um, something that's coming up next year i'll have to find the date at some point and we should have a have a discussion about it is the fact that you know we know january 18th 2022 17th ish um the nodes are going to change to that yes. taurus scorpio no, axis, that's which... actually happening really early i think it's happening on the fourth mm. i think well, we'll have to verify that because i yes. just looked it up last night <laughs> but it doesn't matter um, because Uranus is moving on the 18th, I think. I think Uranus is going direct on the 18th. And I think the nodes are going, I can tell you. Okay. But, and I can just keep yammering on about all these yammering, concerns that I have, because, you know, this I'm a, the doomsday astrologer. But so seriously, you know, I. Yeah, it's the fourth. It's the fourth. Is it the fourth? Okay. Well, shit. Sorry, people. No, so no. It's, it's, fourth. it's the 18th. It's the, that date that you gave is the date that Uranus goes direct. Okay. Yeah. Um, at some point next year, the node, the north node is going to conjunct Uranus. And that has my heart beating a little heavy. <laughs> yes, right? Like what on earth could happen? I don't even know. But the thing that's really scary about that is that the node, I mean, the node doesn't move super, I mean, it moves, moves pretty quickly, but not that quickly. So it's yeah. going to be sitting on Uranus for like we're talking like 
five days on one side and five days on the other yeah, side. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I have no idea what to expect when that happens. Yeah. I have to will... think about like, you know, if, if that conjunction happens in any other axis, well, you know, if it were to happen in Gemini, you know, we get to transform how we think, how we communicate. Okay. But having it happen in Taurus is like about yeah. our foundations and our structures and our money and our possessions well, and I'm our work in the world. You know. About like I don't want to freak people out, but you know, um, and I'm not a I'm not a person who believes in hoarding, but you know, you might want to just have some canned food in the house. You might just want to have some extra bottled water in the house, or you know, somebody um, somebody had mentioned to me the the idea of getting some camping stuff where you can filter water just yes. to make sure that if the, if like the sanitation goes down in your area, the water sanitation goes down, that you can still pour water out of your sink. Yes. And there's, you can get purification tablets. There's, yeah. Uh, so if you follow me on Instagram listeners, um, I did a whole dis topic, a discussion about an hour long discussion about emergency preparedness. It's right. somewhere on my IGTV. I highly recommend watching it because I do talk about long-term emergencies and how to prepare for them. But, um, and yeah, there's ways to like distill your own water, um, all kinds of stuff, but, um, yeah. Like yeah. what do you do if the power goes out and you don't have heat or lights or, you know, so well, there's just all kinds of stuff now. Yeah. I've been listening a lot to, um, I listen to NPR in the, when I drive the kids to and from school, which is half of my freaking life right now. I swear I love to God. NPR. I love NPR. I do. Oh. But they've been talking a lot recently about the fact that we're starting to see inflation become an issue. And inflation hasn't been an issue for us in a very long time. And they've been breaking down why that is. And then the results of inflation, um, even transitory inflation, can lead to recession. And so with this... Um, with this action happening over there with the nodes, you know, going to be conjuncting Uranus in Taurus. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've been certainly rethinking some of our financial strategies. We are going to, you know, do some remodeling and I'm like, well, maybe now we'll do some renovating, not remodeling. Cause I really want to have some money in the bank for that. Right. Or under your mattress. Or yeah. Or in the safe. Right. Um, and yeah, not to be alarmist, but that does occur as something that could potentially be a really big deal. Um, you know, well, especially I mean, depending if on you go how back, if you go back in history and look at countries that faced Pluto returns, oftentimes, you know, remember the leader of the country, whether that's Napoleon or a fascist dictator or a president or oftentimes that person's livelihood is attached to the fate of the country and so i'm just saying and i've i've said this before i don't think i don't think that our current leader is going to make it through his term yeah i um, and I don't, and I wouldn't I, be surprised. And I really yeah. wish we saw more of, uh, Kamala Harris because, um, well, I think she we would probably then be will. our president. Mm. I think we probably will. Well, I wish we were seeing more of her now, because then if something happened with the president, there would be, um, a more faith 
I suppose more as a greater sense of security, but since I'm not in charge of things, it is what yeah. it is. And I, I think that the the presidency, if it survives the Pluto return, I guess that's another that's another podcast. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's a whole conversation. But I think that, you know, typically after a Pluto return, a country is that's that's literally a tearing down. That's a that's a figurative death so that a rebirth of the nation can happen you know think about the french revolution you know the russian revolution those types of things and things things will change and i i think the government will will probably change as a result of of those things but i mean all of this stuff is coming so this scorpio moon you know it's a it's a it's a new moon make those wishes but you know there i think there's probably a lot of maybe foreshadowing happening during this moon yeah you know and um you know axion was like trying to get away with something and he got caught and i think that's the important thing to know i think we're gonna see a lot of people and i think that's already happened this year but i think we're gonna see a lot of people who tried to get away with things getting caught you know scorpio is about secrets and yeah. when we get to the full moon after this uh the full moon's happening in taurus and you know that i don't think is a mistake not only because scorpio is uh you know on an axis with taurus but that's where all of the eclipses are going to be next year because yeah. we're moving access, as Corey mentioned earlier, we're moving access for another 18 months. So all of the eclipses next year are gonna happen in Scorpio and, and, and Taurus. And Taurus. I think this Taurus new moon and the Scorpio full moon that's gonna follow it, I think this is all foreshadowing. The other way around, Tor Scorpio new moon, Taurus full moon. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It gets really confusing. No, it's just me. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm dyslexic in my mind. So it's hard. It is hard. But, but that's, that's a reality. And, uh, you know, it's important for people to start looking ahead at that kind of stuff. Um, because, you know, um, Corey and I are, are, have talked about the possibility of uh, our next conversation um being around also sort of like kind of like the impact dates and some of the things that are coming up in 2022 because 2022 is a really interesting year but i think that most of the really big challenges in 2022 are going to be coming in the first quarter of the year and then i think after that we're really going to be able to to move forward but with all of these big lunations happening um in taurus and scorpio um you know i think it's important for people to know what houses are ruled by taurus and scorpio in their chart and this would be a great opportunity for them to take a look because this is happening in the middle decan scorpio you know scorpio rules the eighth house traditionally in that chart the other thing is mars is a co-ruler of scorpio most people only think about pluto but having having mars in scorpio during this lunation makes mars extremely powerful because he's this is his home mm. so mm. so i think I, I there's just several things there's several things and he's awkward too because he's a he's like traditionally thought of as fire and passion and in scorpio i think he's more passion than fire right um because you know having having him in a fire sign and a water sign those are two different elements right that's like 
So it's kind of weird in a quincunxy sort of way itself. I just think that there's going to be a lot of foreshadowing in these next two moons for what's going to be going down next year. And people look and see what house is ruled by your Scorpio, see what house is ruled by your Taurus. Anything that happens in Scorpio is going to oppose anything that's in Taurus and vice versa, right? Because they're on an axis. They're opposing each other. Yeah, I think that my primary focus for this new moon and it kind of saddens me to say it because i usually get excited about doing foo-foo fun shit on the new moons but i think that my focus is going to be on building protections i think that's a great idea i mean yeah. i some people are afraid of scorpio i love scorpio because you know i think i created that, two of them i brought two of them into the into the world so i yes you're a, you're, a, you're a scorpio <laughs> maker but Scorpio, I have I have my Neptune at 29 degrees of Scorpio, which is the other reason why having Axion and Venus, right, right, well, not in Scorpio, but in Sagittarius is a big deal because it's like that's a septile. Um, anyway, it, it's a it's a it's a critical degree, and it's it's I think it's really going to be I think it's going to be interesting for a lot of people. I I just don't ever meet anybody who doesn't have at least something in one of those one of those yeah songs. the only thing i have in scorpio is palace athena and oh shit it's like can, i didn't even i haven't looked at my own chart because that's i'm a cobbler and my shoes have holes um All but yeah she's like she's conjunct this lunation yay <laughs> is your palace athena on 10 degrees scorpio oh really wow mm -hmm. But yeah. I think that's why, you know, I have, I, I credit that for the way that I view death. Um, yes. You know, I, yeah. I have a very pragmatic look on death. It's like, well, it's going to happen. We should talk about it. Um, and that's, that doesn't go always go over well. And I've also always, I, I am the family eulager. I'm the one that gets up and delivers the eulogies. Oh, I bet you do a really good job at that though. I, bet you're I do actually. <laughs> But um, oh, I have to read the inside degree because it's just too flipping good. Okay. Okay. So inside degrees. I've mentioned this book before. It's by Elias Lionsdale, um, or Lonsdale, I guess is how you say it. And he, um, I don't think he's alive anymore, but um, he's he's channeled these degrees. They're similar similar to the Sabian symbols, but I just don't Sabian symbols just never turn my key. I don't get them. But anyway, 12 degrees of Scorpio, a young man with a frail body, but a beautiful and noble face. Isn't that nice? Oh, you know who I'm thinking of is the, the kid from Game of Thrones who's a little bastard. What's his name? The little king guy with the blonde hair. Oh, Joffrey. Joffrey. Yes, he was the Old roots crumbling, new self emerging, historical underpinnings not very strong. The vision of what can be burns bright and clear. Dang, dude, dude. dang, <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps from that. Goosebumps, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that sums it. it up pretty well. Yeah, we could have not even talked, we could have just read the inside degree and called it, yeah, quick. yeah, y'all figured it <laughs> out. It's fine, so but yeah, should yeah. be should be really interesting. And then you know, we've got what two third next two lunations are eclipses. And then we've got the final well, let's talk about the little bit about the Taurus eclipse that's coming up because that's the other thing. So we've got Taurus and, and Scorpio eclipses next year, but the next moon is 
a lunar eclipse, right, Cor? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I haven't and looked I think, at that chart, so I got shit to say about it. <laughs> is it is it partial? I can't remember if it's partial. Yeah, I'll, it is. Yes, it is a partial solar eclipse. It yeah. is November nineteenth at um, well, it's twelve fifty seven a.m. Pacific, which means it's um, seven a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, and the exact. Degrees. I guess the the solar eclipse actually isn't until one o two a.m. I don't know how the hell that works, but um, yeah. It'll be at 27 degrees, 14 minutes of um, Taurus. Yes. And then you, we'll have our, uh, we'll have a new moon solar eclipse in Sag, but that'll be the last time we have an eclipse in Sag. So we've been on the Sag Gemini axis for the last 18 months. So it's kind of like, as everything with astrology, it's kind of like things are closing up as things are coming on, right? So mm -hmm. we're going to have the last of that. And then South Node is where Sag is right now the south node's been moving through sag for the last 18 months and the you know the north node's been moving through gemini so that that's the axis of knowledge right divine knowledge and mundane knowledge if you will and then the axis of taurus and scorpio is you know i always say the the second and eighth house they're the money houses but they're also about other things as well mm -hmm. but money 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 and, you know, we were just talking earlier before we were recording about the fact that, you know, you can, you can look at somebody's chart and, you know, get all this amazing information. But at the end of the day, people want to know about love and money. <laughs> yes, that is, that is the truth. That is the truth. So I think um, it's going to be interesting to see as we go through these lunations, how many changes, of course, with cryptocurrency and a bunch of other things happening and about how with the pluto return as as well happening during this you know our our country sets the tone for the financial markets in the world it's going to be interesting to see how that changes as we go through this axis change that's coming up in january so yeah it's that's a lot of stuff but i think these two moons definitely definitely are kind of a foreshadowing of next year mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nothing can be easy can't we just have a real peachy keen jelly bean moon no and i think that like the universe is like i gave you guys like a year off to just you know be home and wear your pjs and yeah. you're bitching about all the work you got to do now <laughs> it's well, like, it's like you know everybody's <laughs> talking about a shortage and if you know when i looked i've looked ahead at some other people and their predictions about things and they were talking about how with the potential of AI and other things coming online that, you know, maybe in another 50 years, people won't work. But then we still have to figure out then how, have, do, you do, the, how do you do the money? How do you live? Right. right because we had, there's been a 100% association between what you do and what you're worth. Yes. And then even that is skewed strangely. It's like, there's a, a, the, it's elitist heavy. So the more elite you are, the more your worth, even though the non-elite quote unquote work twice as hard sometimes for like a fraction. But don't you think, I really feel like everybody that I've met, that's changing. That's really changing. It's like, it is. it's like, I know people who are like downsizing their homes, downsizing their cars, um, you know, trying to retire at 50, 
you know, just doing, making all of these huge changes in their life so that they aren't supporting this lifestyle that, you know, television tells them they have to have in order yeah. to or and our cool. education system tells us that we we're supposed to do i mean we literally go to school so that we can be good workers we don't go to school so that we can learn and be enriched and have better lives from right. the day we start school until the day we end school it is all about how can you contribute to but that's the very american it's not like that in uh, in all other countries it is very american but you just said the yeah. world unfortunately Dude, is americentric <laughs> Yeah. You do set the tone for the world financially yeah. because all the markets are dependent on our market. So that's the problem. We're all so connected now. If one country goes down, we all go down. It's like a house of cards. Yeah. So that's why the financial the financial stuff has to has to transform. And that's not going to be comfortable for any of us. No, not at all. Yeah. So not I'm still thinking all. commune living is the way to go. I'm really thinking. Yeah, I'm down with that actually. I I would love um to create like a tiny house village that everybody has their little tiny house for their personal space, but then we have these amazing communal areas with a big communal kitchen and a big ass TV and a garden and oh yeah. <laughs> I I am a communal kind of gal. But I that's because I'm also very much like a socialist. Like I would be totally okay with I get less if other people get more. Um, so it would be easy for me to, to move into a commune and be all about it, all about it. I just, I just, I just want to, I just want to be, I don't, I just want the things that I need to get by. And I, you know, the older I get, the less, the less that is. I mean, yeah. I just, I just don't need a lot of stuff to get by. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds. Of, and it's interesting too. Just, um, I mean, like I personally have to wrap this up because I've got some stuff to do. No offense to everybody or you, Foxy. No um, but I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things that Taurus rules Venus and Taurus is a, a lot about self-worth mm. and, you know, Uranus being there, I really hope that something that it can accomplish for us is that we do restructure how we value things that, that we value our time more as individuals, that we'd stop giving away 40 hours a week for nothing. And that we see other people's contributions as contributions rather than either competition or something to compare ourselves to. You know, I think that would be beautiful. Well, we've got four more years. Yes, well. Four more gears. <laughs> and, um, you know, when he hits, he hasn't even gotten to the last decan of Taurus yet. So once he hits the mastery phase, I think, you know, shit's going to get real and it's going to be real interesting to see how that happens. Yeah. Commune city, sweetheart. That's what I'm visioning. All right. Well, I'm down. I'm down with it. I'm going to start putting my, you know, putting my pennies away for the, for the tiny house village yes and, and we can make pop bottle windows like stained glass windows and stuff it'll be so much fun it will be so much fun i just want us you know i just want us to be you know sitting with our with our mint juleps um on our porch swing yelling at the kids to get off our lawn that's get what off i want my lawn <laughs> yeah. i have a little neighbor his name's waylon and uh he's like three but he calls is he loud 
He's very loud. He has very long hair and he is always constantly wearing a pair of shorts with no other clothing accessories on. And his, he says his name is Weiwei. Weiwei. He has like a monster truck battery operated kid car. And he's constantly driving and doing like wheelies in my yard, which I don't give a crap about. But I, I said, I always, we're like standing in there looking out at him, like, you know, ripping up our front yard. And Jill's like, are you going to go out there and yell at him? And I said, I don't want to be the lady, the old lady in the neighborhood who's like, not yet, not right? Not yet. I'm not, I'm not old enough for that yet. But down the road, you know, Waylon's kids are, <laughs> Waylon, we'll yell at his kids. Waylon, uh, it's okay because Jimmy, we were out and Jimmy too, uh, what got loose and he, um, he jumped all over Wayland and, and gave him oh, a ton I'm of sure It was horrible. Waylon hated every minute of it. And I was like, paybacks are a bitch kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to tear up my yard. Guess what? Hmm. I would love it if Jimmy Choo jumped all over me. He is the <laughs> sweetest dog in America. So yeah, most people cute. like Jimmy Kisses, but Weiwei did not like it. Well, I guess, <laughs> you know, if I was three years old, Jimmy Choo would seem a lot larger. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what's your name? And he's like, Weiwei. And I'm what? like, oh, you're the kid who rips up my yard. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to our 22nd episode. We're coming up on a full year's worth of podcasts soon. That'll be exciting. And so we've got a couple more moons and then we're going to do a bonus episode for the impact dates for next year. So tune in, tell your friends. We yeah. love you. Yeah. yeah. And until and next time, I'm Corey Hawkins. And this is Jennifer Fox. And we Oh, well, we already said that we're curiously conscious. So y'all stay curious. <laughs> stay conscious too. <laughs>